The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve 8 from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layer timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve 8 is available from $995. Current users can download the update for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagic-design.com What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm Gordon Raquel, and this episode, Lauren is with me again. Oh, yes, hi. I thought you were saying this episode, Lauren, as if you were going to tell me something, but no, here I am. Yep. That was all. This episode, I have three people on the line. Technically, just two for this part. And then next episode, we'll have three people in total. So I have from Be Real. And if you haven't seen Be Real's website or anything, you don't know anything about them, go to b-real.com. And real is spelled like a film reel. And you'll see some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, Gore's not. Don't expect Gore to you know, illustrate this for you. You know, he could tell you what it is, but no, go to the site yourself. It's all interactive. Thank you. Post. Ah, he's so generous, guys. So, this episode we have... It's the holiday season. Yes. This episode we have Patrick Bloom, Mm -hmm. Patrick Arlen, and Adele Major. And Adele is silent in this episode. So these guys have worked on things such as Asylum 626, as well as the Wilderness Downtown for Arcade Fire, the Google project. So these guys are going to explain to us the pre-production for an interactive project like this, as well as the post-production next episode. But in this episode, we needed to get down, how do you write a script for something like this? How do you build an interactive project? How do you plan for this? How do you plan for this? So enjoy part one of my interview with Patrick Bloom and Patrick Erlen and uh, Adele in the background. Patrick, Patrick, and Adele. Yes. Uh, one side note, uh, they are in New York and we have a lovely New York sound in the background every so often. Mm. Uh, you might know it as a police car. Lovely. Uh, so yeah. Ambient. Yes. To start off, can you tell us a bit about Be Real and your own sort of background with it and how you got started there. I started at Be Real uh, six or seven years ago uh, when we were still one of the small company in Stockholm. We were 16 people. Even then we were kind of trying to push the uh, more experiential projects in the interactive uh, spectrum. Back then, of course, it was much, much simpler because of the bandwidth of uh, people's broadband connections, but it was actually a good thing to be in Sweden at that point because people had quite fast connections in Sweden, so you were able to create larger experiences that took longer to load, but because of the connection speed, it was it was faster. Yeah, I started at Beeril 2007. I think uh, we were about 25 people when I started. I was in the same time, I think, almost. Their vision, I think, from the beginning, they started in 1999, was to make use of video on the internet. There wasn't really a, a lot of people were using real player and stuff like that back then. Their goal was to push that, and when I started working there, the experiential kind of experiences were kind of, they were possible to make 
right because technology and bandwidth and such had had reached that level. And also the, the the use of Flash at that point it was a great platform for us because around that time Flash started to support video in in a nice way. You could have alpha video. You, and you could play it quite seamlessly from one clip to another, so you could do some like more dynamic experiences rather than just playing one video at a time. Now, interactive transmedia projects allow for the audience to become a part of the storytelling, and because of this, there's this sort of unknown element or unknown sort of quantity in the, the creation process, which is the audience. How do you prepare in pre-production so that the audience still feels that they're controlling the interactive elements and adding to the story, but you still have control over the where the audience goes and they don't head into areas that you don't want them to? I think actually like all the interactive elements still require a lot of planning and, and work from us. So everything that is actually put in is thought out so the whole flow of where a user can go and cannot go is kind of is planned from the beginning mm -hmm. so it, it just comes down to like before a shoot we we put together the script and even then look at the different flows that, that a user can have going through that experience mm -hmm. so even at a, at a script stage we try to figure out the interactivity and and the actual interactive structure of the project so it, it comes very much down to planning. Even in the script phase, you're saying, so is there a different way of writing the script for something like this, or do you still follow a, a traditional script format? We follow a traditional script format, but then we put it on to like all the main scenes to a, like a, a flowchart or, or a sitemap, so you can kind of see how the network of, of the situations work. Mm -hmm. So you can see kind of a grand overview of how the user can go through the experience. Okay. All the, all the different paths. You touched on Flash, and Flash has sort of been killed off by Apple. There's so many tools that you could use. You know, different browsers cause different issues. You know, if you're an explorer, there's going to be a lot of problems. Yeah. Different iPhones versus Android, and even within the Android, there's multiple devices. So how do you determine which devices, which browsers to program for? so that you get the largest amount of users possible, but you're not overcoding, so you're not constantly having to alter the code for each individual device. It depends very much on the project, like what kind of technology are you, you are using. But what we find now is sometimes you can create the same code for a tablet and desktop device. Mm -hmm. You can kind of make those so that they work on both. Mobile, usually you have to, it, it, it's a completely its own thing because of the screen size and just the way people use the device. It wouldn't be efficient to create the same interactive experience on a, on a mobile phone as it would be on a larger screen. So you often have to think of it as, a, as its own uh, version. And often also, depending on the technology, we, we have to create a tablet version and then we create a desktop version. So it often is that we have three versions of each project. And there's slight differences, of course, in, in functionality, but it's mostly about keeping the core of, of the project focused throughout those three, but then taking in consideration the different technical challenges and trying to work around those. To jump to Asylum 626, because some of our users might not have taken part in this uh, with Doritos, can you give us a sense of what the project involved and what it was about so anyone listening 
sort of has a background of what Asylum 66 is? Asylum 66 was a sequel to a project we did for Doritos with Goodby called uh, Hotel 66, which was sort of a, a, a cinematic filmic experience, experiential experience uh, that was sort of a horror film online where you could only visit the site from 6 to 6 and after 6 p.m. basically to keep this horror moment alive. Uh, that site did very well. So Asylum 66 was a sequel to uh, Hotel 66, which also took place in the horror spectrum. And both of these experiences were like, it was filmed uh, together with interactive sequences where you, where you can, like almost mini games. So it, it's more of a journey through the film. So it's a, it's a part of it. So POV experience where, where you are actually playing the, the lead role, lead character, as you're walking through this hotel or this asylum, sort of, trying to get yourself out of there. When we launched the first one, Hotel 626, it, it, was, it was one of the first of that kind, in a sense. Yeah. And uh, the way people uh, responded to it was amazing. We had worked on it for a long while and didn't really uh, see it for what it was because we had been working on it for so long, but it was amazing to then see people take a part of it and actually enjoy. There's, there's still, there's, if one searches Hotel 626 on YouTube, there's tons of kids that have filmed themselves playing the game and like, getting scared and so. So it, it was amazing to see how people kind of embraced the experience. How it grew really and it led to us having to do uh, more versions of the site with, with subtitles for different languages and, and all this stuff. So Yeah. Now, how, do, how would you archive something like this? Because for something like the Wilderness Downtown, the site's there and people can constantly use it. But for people who want to, uh, I guess for future generations who want to look back at your work, how are you guys archiving this so that people could still interact with it? But because, the you know, Doritos isn't paying anymore and it's not, or there's certain deadlines that you have to meet. Do you guys archive your project we have the we have our own internal server that we sometimes archive some projects too but like this for example when doritos and, and good be decided that it doesn't won't or it doesn't need to be up anymore and we took it down we got tons of uh, emails about the fact that it was taken down so there were some gaming sites on the net that had linked to the game still and it was active but unfortunately we had to uh kill it it's unfortunate because it would be interesting to see, I guess, even from for universities who are teaching this to go in and, and utilize that. What we try to do is also create like case studies so that there's a like a basic overview of what the project was and what it had. On our site, uh, we have case studies for, for some of our projects. We're trying to do more of that because it is interesting on the Internet when something is gone, it's gone. Yeah. There is no archive for these kind of things. There's the Internet Archive, but it's not a full sort of user-friendly. It's just sort of almost like a screenshot. Yeah. Yeah. So Now, the interactive elements in this and other projects that you've worked on play such a crucial role in the storytelling. How do you, as a team, determine where the filmmaking ends and the interactive elements begin? I don't think there necessarily is that kind of a, a division, in a sense. We usually work very closely with the director, and then our team here, like let's say a developer, a motion graphics artist and designer and art director, everybody can be in the same room actually planning on how this will come together. What B-Real tries to do with B-Real Films and with this having both aspects of the production underneath the same uh, roof 
it, it's, it's very much about the collaboration and figuring out together how it's going to work because there is a lot that a developer can give in that discussion for example because the director might not know what is possible so if, if you're in the same room and, and you discuss that you open up a lot more doors than having a director write, write a script uh, alone and then having to rewrite it based on feedback and stuff like that so it, it is it is very much about collaboration to then be able to make a unified experience yeah because otherwise you also see sometimes that there's there's experiences where it's very clear okay this was what the director created and now comes the interactive part and that's sort of what i was wondering is because it's such a smooth transition in many of the ones that i looked at i was wondering how you sort of work with the director to get that feeling it's basically planning the whole uh, whole experience with them yeah together sitting down yeah. in a room and figuring it all out and we also often travel oh. with them to the shoot so wh while we're shooting we're gonna give comments on if this shot works for the interactive and stuff like that so it, it is it is uh, experience that kind of are working in, in hand in hand throughout the whole thing yeah and already even before the thing starts we're having directors involved in pitch phases and stuff like that so everybody's really in on it together yeah all right lauren that was my interview with patrick patrick and adele Yes. Adele and Silent. Uh, we just started touching on Asylum 626. Go to b-real.com and you'll see some crazy interactive stuff. Cool. That said, we haven't gotten any guesses for Name That Editor. Mm -hmm. And that really surprised me because I was pretty sure we gave it away. Okay. So I was wondering if you could uh, give us a new clue. I be hobbyist. And what were the originals, Lauren? Fan of Malaparte, The Rain People and has one Oscar for film editing. Yeah. So, figure it out, guys. Yeah, what do these clues lead to? So obvious. Average man on the street would know this one. Not true. Not true. Well, if you do know, you can come to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash artguillotine. You can join us on Twitter, at artguillotine. Or you can email us, info at aotg.com. Fantastic. So, Lauren. Open course is coming! <laughs> yes, I put an exclamation point at the end of my <laughs> notes. Uh, yes, the open course is coming pretty quickly upon us. It's, um, let's see here, we have about five editors signed up. Uh, we have a team in LA set up, a team in New York set up, a team in UK set up, one being set up in Australia. I hope to have the webpage up this week. Awesome. It will be in a rough form this week for the teams to look at and give us feedback. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're listening, we might uh, give you the address a little early. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, Lauren, that's, uh, the open courses are coming. We also have our super secret interview coming. I'm hoping to get it out December 21st for you guys. Fingers crossed. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. And, uh... You're running out of shopping days. Work fast. Yeah. I've already got my shopping done. Show off. Yeah. Well, Lauren. Yes? I think it's time for us to wrap up. We have a dog here that's very interested in seeing us. Yes. Mr. I'd, Licks a lot. I'd like to thank the two Patricks. I'd like to thank Adele. I'd like to thank the Be Real company, Lauren. Yes. I'd like to thank you for helping me with this podcast. Thank you, Mr. Burkell. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.